Hey listeners, Chase here. As some of you may or may not know, the idea for Talking Tolkien started in the winter of 2014 when I was playing through Monolith and Warner Brothers game Shadow of Mordor and was asking Katie and John a lot of dumb questions about the nature and history of Mordor. And one thing led to another, and we ended up starting this podcast where we read through The Silmarillion, The Hobbit, and Lord of the Rings. Starting this Saturday, I'm going to be starting a new show here on the Extracurricular where I'm going to go back and revisit Shadow of Mordor with all the knowledge I have of the past four Tolkien books. It's going to be an interesting experience. But we're going to start this Saturday, July 9th, and... We're going to be doing this live via twitch.com slash the extracurricular. That again is twitch.com slash the extracurricular. We will start streaming at 6 p.m. Eastern time, but we probably will not start around fully around 6.15 or 6.30. But come in, join the chat. Uh, we're going to be kind of hanging out before then, and then we're going to start. Every other episode after that will also be streamed on Twitch. I will send out prompts for when we'll be doing that, as well as they'll be uploaded to YouTube later on, and you will get information about that soon. So join us July 9th, this Saturday, at 6 p.m. Eastern, and it's going to be fun. It's also probably going to be pretty crazy. Hello everyone and welcome back to Talking Tolkien. Today we're going to be discussing Chapter 5 of Book 1 of The Return of the King, The Ride of the Rohirrim. Now as always, we're going to turn over to Katie in a second. She's going to give us the Elvish Word of the Day and Today in Middle-Earth. And then Chase is going to briefly catch us up on the events in last week's readings. Once again, we will then spend all of the rest of the episode discussing Chapter 5, The Ride of the Rohirrim, capping it off with our favorites, both from this week of the reading and the past week of our lives. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm, this is a chase. Sorry, I'm, I, how did I mess that up? I'm Chase. This is a chase. This is That was a chase. This is a John, uh, and this is a John who is going to parlay it over to a Katie and ask what happens on today, July 7th. All right. Yeah, it's already July. July 7th. Craziness. How did that happen? I don't know. Like, we, we missed Canada Day. We missed the 4th of July. We did. We missed Independence Day. That movie did not do well. Uh, but yeah, today in Middle Earth on July 7th, I'm going to backtrack us a little bit as usual. Uh, and on the 1st of July, in the year 2941, Gandalf and Thorin and some other dwarves and a hobbit burglar were leaving Rivendell on the way to the Lonely Mountain. Um, let's see. Uh, also, July 1st is a rather interesting synchronous date for certain events in the lives of Aragorn and Arwen. I'm not necessarily going to say what specific events those are, but... Yeah, there you go. Um, on the 4th, so what what happened on American Independence Day in Middle-earth? Well, on the 4th of July in the year 3018, Boromir left Minas Tirith to uh, go to this council thingy. Some would say that was important. <laughs> that council was important. <laughs> um, and then on the 7th, 
Um, actually, not in Middle Earth, but still kind of an interesting factoid. In the year 1991, no, not 91, 1999, I'm sorry, uh, Elijah Wood was cast as Frodo in Peter <laughs> Jackson's movie. I thought I were to say he was born and I got weirded out. <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> but All yeah, right. 99. So, uh, quick question for you, Chase. What was it that Boromir thought he was looking for? Wait, what? Boromir didn't know the name Rivendell. He called it by another name. What name was that? Uh, I, that, I, I know he was looking for something else, but I do not remember that at all. That is a very specific bit of information. All right, Katie. I don't even remember what you're talking. Like seriously, that is okay. I feel such, a little better. Such an obscure. I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. He called it Imladris, or oh, or well, that's, Imladris. That's, Imladris is just the other name for Rivendell. Yeah. You made it sound like. <laughs> oh, it's a trick question. Oh, it's a trick question. You made it sound like he thought he was looking for something else. I was like, what is he like, Christopher Columbus? Actually, no. It was me. Like 80s? it was me buying time while I flipped through my book to find <laughs> the term that I couldn't remember. Um, it's like I, I'm, I'm like racking my brain. I do not remember any like Boromir thinking he was looking for anything else besides Rivendell. I just <laughs> remembered the name being different or something. Well, like that. yeah, Imladris yeah. is just uh, the uh, oh, I forget if it's Cinderin. Yeah, it would be Cinderin name for Rivendell. All right. Well, speaking of Cinderin, what is our Elvish word today? So our Elvish word today is, in fact, a Cinderin word. And it is, hey, how about that? It is a noun, and uh, I'm not entirely convinced at all that I'm pronouncing it correctly. Well, then I'll pronounce but- it correctly. <laughs> but the word, I believe, is pronounced guaye. Oh, I got to see it. I got to see it. Guaye. I think. I mean, I don't know. Again, it's like- pretty close to guano I, no it isn't when the audience know what guano is no, please isn't. please please email me chase just wants to talk about bats yes always uh but anyway um again yeah i i, I think i've looked up the correct pronunciation but anyway that word means wind oh that, yeah that's important this episode i thought so it comes at the end <laughs> spoiler alert the, uh, the wind at the end the wind at the end all right. Well, what about the wind at the beginning, Chase? What happened last week? All we are is dust in the wind. Oh, I'm sorry. Last week. Oh, yeah, that's right. Last week's chapter was really got me going because Faramir comes back and he has a really awkward conversation between him and his dad and uh, Gandalf and Pippin and also reveals that he saw a couple halflings and Gandalf breaks kind of decorum and is like, where, where are they at? Where are they at? And... <laughs> They were going up to Kirith Ungol, and Gandalf looks worried for the first time, really, in this entire book. And then Denethor sends Faramir off to Osgiliath to try and defend it. They fail, horrible. Well, they fail, but they were going to fail no matter what because they had so many orcs coming down and on top of them. The Siege of Gondor really picks up, and the Witch King comes down onto the city. Also, Denethor, thinking that Faramir's dead, is going to burn him and himself at a funeral at a funeral pyre, uh, you know, like the heathen kings of old, mm-hmm. like he said. Mm-hmm. And Gandalf confronts the Witch King of Angmar, and it was the most metal thing ever. <laughs> I loved it. That that was impressively succinct. That was. But I also want to, I just want to ask you a question. Uh what was Gandalf like when he heard that Faramir? Uh. 
<laughs> Christopher Lloyd in Back to the Future. That's that's my perfect. <laughs> right, Scott. <laughs> each 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 book each each section of this book we have gotten to. I have cast a different Gandalf. <laughs> it used to be Jeff Bridges. There's a Gandalf for all occasions. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, the Gandude. Yeah. Uh, I still hold that this was based on a Twitter conversation that I would like to have seen um, Jeffrey Rush play Denethor. Yeah. I liked, I like, I like, um, what's his name? Um, John Noble. John Noble. I really, really like him. I think he's perfectly cast, but I'd like to have seen Jeffrey Rush. So I feel like that would have been interesting. That would have been cool. And 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 Colin Firth as Aragorn. Uh, oh, act. No, I'm joking. Oh. I'm totally there's, joking. I, I love Colin Firth, but there's no way that he could be Aragorn. Him as Elrond. Yeah, maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. he could maybe be. He Elrond. could be an elf. He could totally yeah. be an elf. Anyway, uh, we're digressing, yeah. but it's important also since we're switching narratives. Uh, how about you catch us up on what happened the week before this, last week as well, two weeks ago? Oh, right, because that had to do with Mary and the Rohirrim. Uh, Rohan yeah. got messengers from Gondor who are saying war is coming, and so they start marching. And Mary wanted to go to battle, but Theoden was like, "No, you shouldn't." And then one young uh, rider said, "You can ride with me. I'll take you." And that's basically where we were at a couple chapters ago. And this sets yeah. up well. Now. But I mean, it's not only that Mary felt left out; it's that Eowyn felt left yeah, out. Yeah, Eowyn yeah. felt Eowyn left out as well yeah. because, yeah. And so, of course, we pick up this chapter, chapter five, with Mary, um, and they're kind of in camp, and it says they've been writing for four days. And which uh, am I the only one at this moment? Because Mary, like, so <laughs> you know, though that uh, y- you'll see this meme used like all over. I don't know, and it's just like something that's out of place among a group of things, and it's like it's been eighty-two days, and they still don't realize I'm not one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Yes. That is like honestly, I, I, and it's it's sad, but that made me think like they'd been on the road for, or they'd been riding for four days, and Mary was still like, <laughs> they still don't know I'm. None here. of the horses know that I'm not a horse. <laughs> right. Well, uh, I mean, it says that it says Mary wondered if there was an understanding if Theoden knew and just decided not to, you know, was angry but decided not to do anything about it. <clears throat> but it says, uh. Dernhelm, if you remember, Dernhelm was the mysterious writer who took Mary with him. Mm-hmm. There was uh, an understanding between Dernhelm and the Marshal uh, that everybody would just like ignore what was going on here. And also, Dernhelm did not make Mary feel particularly comfortable because Dernhelm never speaks. Right. Well, uh, and also he does kind of he does kind of freely walk around the camp to a degree, mm-hmm. and everybody seems to not. Not, not worried mind to, yeah. him, yeah. Yeah, and well, not mind him and also not really take mind of him and not take notice of him, really. And, you know, Mary kind of, he feels uh, like small and uh, very alone. Well, and, and, and when he's kind of lonely and feeling this way, what is he thinking about but his best his friend? His friend. Pippin, who says he wishes, Mary wishes he were like Aemir and like a big rider and he could blow a horn and something and go galloping to Pippin's rescue. Because again, you know, he's he's concerned about you know he knows that Pippin has gone to Minas Tirith and he knows now that it's under siege and in need of aid. So yeah, he's very worried about his friend. And yeah, again, like uh, bemoaning the fact that he is a small t- and 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 to his feeling an insignificant uh, kind of person and is not able 
at least as he thinks, to, you know, come to the aid of his friend. And then at this point, somebody trips over him and <laughs> uh, curses the tree roots. And yes. <laughs> Mary's like, I'm not a tree root. I'm not a bag. I'm a bruised hobbit. Okay. <laughs> now, can you please tell me what's going on? <laughs> and basically, it's it's Elfhelm who tripped over Mary, who is the marshal. And Elfhelm was like, giving Mary the one, too. And was like, okay, here's the deal. Uh, those woods over there have like wild men who live in them. And the king is meeting with the leader of the wild men and we're like brokering some kind of truce. So I got to go. Elfhelm also gives us kind of a bit of exposition here, introduces the reader to these uh, wild men, or as he says, woeses, who are wild men of the woods. And uh, we learn a little bit about them, basically that they're like a very ancient people and they're, shall we say, rugged? So... Uh, Yes, and Mary does what hobbits do best in these kinds of situations, which is to kind of sneak up. Right. Uh, so Mary watches the whole meeting go down. And speaking of these old rugged people, Mary is like, wow, this person, uh, when I look at him, I'm reminded of something I've seen before. Oh, yeah, the Pukel men, those statues in mm-hmm. Dunharrow, which, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about two episodes ago, kind of the archaeological subtext of Tolkien. But, like, that's what this is to Mary is, like, the super old man. I don't know about you, but uh, the image I get of them is kind of very similar to the image of the, uh, like the stone trolls in Frozen. Well, I haven't seen Frozen, I, yeah, so I, was, I can't go to that. Say I still haven't I mean, seen Frozen. Oh, okay. I mean, whatever. <laughs> you don't have but, you don't have like nieces and nephews, so I yeah. understand. Per- perhaps, perhaps other people uh, can relate to that. But yeah, um, and yeah, we get this we get this great uh, kind of visual description of what what mary sees and it's like the and it's it's the leader of the of these wild men that is speaking with theoden and um like he's very stumpy and has like this kind of rather interesting face scruff that doesn't it remind him of like moss yes yeah yeah yeah, uh yeah but i i I will say and i'm going to preface this with the anidia anidia that's not a word anita sarkeesian preface like it's important to be critical of the things we love this is like is. the one part of the Lord of the Rings that actually makes me super uncomfortable. Yes. Because we get to the point where these people are speaking and he says, no, father of horsemen, we fight not. Hunt only. Kill Gorgon in woods. Hate orc folk. You hate Gorgon too. We help as we can. Wild men have long ears and long eyes. Know all paths. Like, it's and, just very... Yeah. I think what what we have to... What what you we as a modern reader have to take this section with uh, the um, kind of context of the time, I think. Um, it, it, but, it reminds me of kind of a uh, Rudyard Kipling, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But the, oh, yeah, the, that's the exact vibe. But basically, what happens here is the uh, his name is Gonbarigon or Gonborigon. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of strikes this deal with Theoden, saying. We're not going to fight. Nightmare's like, if you're not going to fight, then how do we have a deal? And he says, well, we know these places better than others. We've watched them. The road you guys are taking is blocked, but we know a secret path that the stone men, they call the people of Gondor, uh, we know a secret road that they carved long ago. So we will show you the secret road. That way you can you can uh, bypass the blockade. Right. And that will that would be unknown to the orcs and the armies of Mordor. And I think it's important to note as well. So um, the 
the the woeses that we're being introduced to right now um, should remind us of other groups that we've come along uh, along the way in that they are going they're kind of this outlying you know not necessarily central to the action but they're but they're still drawn into some part of this um, ultimate quest that the fellowship is a part of you don't yeah Glo- Sorry, globalization y'all there's uh <laughs> they, they they try to withdraw from society but the wexit is not going to happen <laughs> oh god oh i okay finish your thought topical um th- i just that um you know they they're uh they're they're participating in and helping uh the writers by virtue of hating the orcs right they you know uh they are both enemies of of the orcs so they're going to give them as much help as they can but they're uh, i mean they're still not going to kind of go out of their um basic rule in that we we don't you know we don't fight we hunt we're we're not going to fight with you but um we are going to help you achieve your goal which is ultimately going to help us because we have the same enemy it's this thing that's running throughout the books and it didn't really <clears throat> it kind of hit me in the two towers but it's really hitting me now which is uh some like princess mononoke things where it's like every element of the world it's... even if even if like they politically don't aren't involved just feel it They're, they just yeah. feel the change they know the change is coming and they are reacting to it it's almost like if if middle earth is a living thing mm-hmm the immune system's kicking in. It's kind of hard not to feel a day with no dawn. With no dawn, exactly. Right? Yeah. But the, yeah, and, and but it's true. You know, there. Uh, you know, ev- everyone is involved in some way in in um, this. Uh, I don't know what to call it. This this uh, dire situation. Uh, no matter how far on the outskirts they may seem, and uh, even even like. Even if they wouldn't normally, this group is going to contribute in some small way. I almost feel like that Gandalf knew this to a degree that this would something like such an evil force would have to have repercussions throughout Middle Earth. But I wonder if bringing in the hobbits in a weird way was also dealing them into the in the game, like <laughs> in the no. sense of like like what? Just you wait. I mean, it just almost like the the that maybe the hobbits would not have been brought in if 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 Gandalf didn't intervene. But well, since he did, you'll you'll see what happens to the hobbits having been brought in. I well, like. We'll see. We'll see. I, I, I like hearing these these things. <laughs> so anyway, interesting the, things to the think about. Deal struck between the wild men and the the riders of the mark the harem uh, is that basically we'll show you the way and you guys stop hunting and killing us so as it turns out there's the subtext that is only kind of introduced because these people are only kind of introduced at all but that the the rohirrim were kind of trying to drive them out of the forest anyway right. so it was like we'll do this for you and you leave us alone um and and they have also- one one last piece of information which is about the orc encampments at Minas Tirith themselves they describe that the city's on fire, that there are kind of rings of fire around the city, but that the great wall surrounding the Pelennor Fields has basically been destroyed. And Amir right. is super, super excited at this news because he's like, oh, that was the thing I was most concerned about because 
that is a, the biggest choke point. And if they've destroyed it for us, then we can just go right in. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the idea that the, the idea that inadvertently the orcs have brought about their own undoing without even thinking about it because their entire job was to destroy. Yeah, Amor says to lusting cause to cause rampage, lusting to destroy Gondor and throw it down stone from stones, stone from stone. His orcs have taken away my greatest fear. Right. So, that, ag- like ag- again, they have kind of disregarded. Um, any any kind of contesting to their overtaking of this place and they've failed to or they well they they, they aren't aware of any outside threat which is yes. which is helping our our friends the Rohirrim hashtag hubris <laughs> yes yeah do you say hubris or hubris you Hu- said hubris hubris I usually say hubris but I wanted to be different okay <laughs> it's like how I'm trying to say caramel instead of caramel but yeah, I mean, I really liked in that just like one line that Amor said, like they wish to destroy it in their hate. Um, you know, that's really what it is. It's Sauron is being blinded by his desire to literally dismantle, like, you know, the like the Frenchman at the Bastille, like dismantle this thing. Um, well, he's being well, blind to the consequences of that. Well, uh, and I also... Just, th- go ahead. No, you... Oh, well, I also think that this is a great echo to when Gandalf had, uh, had said to Pippin that it's a good sign that um, that Sauron is sending out this army right now because it shows that um, he's kind of jumping the gun and that shows fear and weakness. So this is along that same kind of line. Um, Before these, uh, they all separate. And mm-hmm. the Rohirrim starts going off back towards Gondor. I-, I did want to stick out this line that I really, really, really liked. And it's one of those lines that pertains very deeply to the current situation within the book. But I feel like it's it's like Tolkien throwing in like wonderful little life lessons mm-hmm. again. This is this line that, what's his name, Gon? Yeah, Gon, Gon, Burry, Gon. Yeah, he says, um... Thaden says, like, who knows, all is night now. And Gon says, it is all dark, but it is not all night. When sun comes, we feel her, even when she is hidden. Right. And this is the, this is the moment, yeah. It's like right before he leaves, and Gon basically tells them that the wind is changing. Yes. And um, that's something that they should listen to and take heart of. And, you know, basically, he, yeah, he gives this kind of very mysterious, basically, the wind is changing, and then they vanish. Like the, it's like the, the, the whole day that has been dark, mm-hmm. that's the, we're, we're, we're at the bottom. And the only thing you could do when you're at, he hit the bottom is just to go up. Right. Like, and we're going to see that pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. So then they, they separate and kind of go on their ways, and... The Rohirrim are getting close and send a couple of scouts out and the scouts find something ominous. Two dead men and two dead horses. And these aren't any ordinary dead men or any ordinary dead horses, but the dead men were riders of Gondor, one of them clasping a red arrow. Here gone, it might have been impossible it is to tell because his head has been severed. Right. Uh. And the last bit of news is... 
they were severed or they were they were caught running away from the city so people Thaden basically realizes that the, Gondor yeah Gond- well that they they came to a city that was already under siege turned around and were slain while f- fleeing but that Gondor does not know then that he is coming right um and so Theoden, of course, is um, quite disheartened at this. And this is kind of the first um, real blow to his confidence that that we get. Um, because again, yeah, uh, clearly they've arrived and Minas Tirith is under siege. And the, the, the word never reached Denethor that the Rohirrim were coming. I have a I have a question as somebody who is still like new to this stuff. Uh-huh. Do Theoden and Denethor know each other very well? Are they in any capacity friends or at least have met in any regards to where they may know how each other would react to certain things? Like how is their relationship? Well, the relationship between Gondor and Rohan has been one of allies. One of allies. Yeah, but specifically, does does Theoden recognize Denethor as a friend or has met with him in some regard? Or have they just talked between with messengers? Am I asking too, am I asking too much of a question? <laughs> my, my point I was getting at to was like... You're talking about like FDR and Churchill during World yeah, War II. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if they have somehow regarded each other... Do, I'm just wondering if whether or not that since... Theoden knows that Gondor has been overrun and that it has been attacked and now knows that Denethor never got the message that they were coming. So yes, in one regard, Gondor will lose faith because Rohan is not there, but maybe even specifically to a point that he's feeling bad because he knows Denethor is potentially not stable enough to take that. That's what I'm getting at. I honestly don't know. Am I overthinking? Am I way overthinking this? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> what, 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 you, what, what Theoden does know is Theoden knows the king. That's true. He, um, knows, he knows Aragorn. He knows what Aragorn thinks of the way that Gondor is right now. And yep. he knows that Aragorn is likely on his way to meet him. So Yeah. But the most important thing is that Theoden, Theoden's message has not reached the city. And, Again, that uh, you know, this is this was a you know, this, there's there's a big deal. Rohan is a friend of Gondor's and will come to Gondor's aid, and that's you know, yeah, okay, we're gonna ride out and we send the messenger back and let them know to give them heart, and uh, it turns out that didn't happen. <laughs> so, um, what is funny? It's no, sorry, I thought it was terrible. It was like. Your friend needs help, and you you sent them a text saying I'm on my way, but they never got it. But then you show up, and it's like I didn't know you were coming. <laughs> I'm glad you came. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, uh, they, they get to the city, Denethor and, and they break up into a couple of groups and kind of approach the city. They find the wall of the Pelennor open for them. They they manage to get in very easily. Uh, I loved this. It says they moved forward into the field of Gondor, pouring in slowly but steadily like the rising tide through breaches and a dike that men thought secure. So previously, you know, we we discussed about how Sauron was not really watching everything. He was 
letting himself be consumed with hate and therefore leaving things open. And that's, I loved this, you know, the rising tide through yeah. a dike that men have thought secure. Like that's perfect. That's a perfect description of Sauron's hubris right here. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, I also wanted a note of a rider that came forward. So right before this, right before they stream in through the wall, um, a, a rider named Widfara had come forward and basically repeated uh, what Gan had said that there's this change of wind and he 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 knows that, th- that there's fresh sea air and basically noting that he feels like the tide is changing and it's at this point that Theoden kind of addresses all of the riders and says okay ride ride forth now uh, and fear no darkness and yeah it's now we get this great like spilling like waters over this you know broken wall it was just a mass amount of people and horses <clears throat> right uh, and so, all, you know, this this kind of smallish, but still yet, you know, a, a, a surge of greatness is happening. And then we get little Mary, who's Aww. like clinging to Durnhelm Aww. and feeling once again uh, that that he's small and insignificant and just a burden. He shouldn't be there again. I'm like, no, you're you're where you should be. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you're absolutely right because Widfara. Do you remember what the wild man said? There, mm-hmm. the wind is turning. I can smell it. There's a sea tang, mm-hmm. and then Mary feels this too because they're charging. And Mary is like, "What am I gonna do? I'm just gonna slow the rider down." Maybe Thaden was right. I shouldn't have come. But as they're charging, Mary thinks to what Widvara said and to what the Wild Man said. Right. Suddenly, Mary felt it at last, beyond doubt, a change. Wind was in his face. Light was glimmering far away in the south. The clouds could be dimly seen as remote gray shapes rolling up and drifting. Except right before that, though, because I want to I want to make note of so they, they've gone they've gone over this um, kind of breach in the wall and they see before them. So this change hasn't really happened yet. Theoden basically takes in the destruction of Minas Tirith. And he sees the city burning and he's like overcome with anguish and he's like slumping forward and he looks old and tired and it's gotta be a hell of a sight. Just yeah. Uh and and full of full of dread basically. And they realize, you know, Mary's thinking we're we're too late and is even thinking, is Theoden going to turn back and just, you know, not even attempt this at all? Yeah. And it's at that moment when we feel this change. And it's this uh, th- we feel this wind and like the morning coming but especially what makes this change happen is there's this sudden flash of something like lightning that comes up and illuminates the city and this huge like thunderous boom and this is the real moment of change well so yes so there's that order Thaden is gloomy Mary is gloomy but then sees the first light of morning mm-hmm. and then this flash as if lightning had sprung up uh, Let in the morning light. Mm-hmm. So this is, I'm, I, I think that this is, because he hears, he hears two. This is the moment when Grand like breaks through the door, right? I think because at the end of last chapter, yeah. the last thing that happens is Grand breaks through the door. Everybody flees but Gandalf, and then you hear the horns. So right. then I think that's what this is. is this yes. happens at this moment. Mary's seeing it from afar. Uh, right, but if you remember back to the Battle of Helm's Deep, 
it was Gandalf who came back at the at the at the break of dawn, and now they're coming at the break of dawn to Gandalf's aid to Gondor's aid. Like, yeah, so it's this beautiful, yeah. beautiful yeah. like synchronicity, and 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 also this like this theme again that with you know and and which uh, Aomer had earlier said you know like I, I Aomer had more hope than Theoden did. Um, and made some mention of, you know, like, uh, darkness can't go on and dawn will come. Well, and yeah. Well, and not to be offensive, but it, I mean, it is towards, it's towards Satan's character. He's an old man. <laughs> like, that's mm-hmm. part of it. Yeah, like, a yeah, lot yeah. of this is all about, this whole story has been about, like, like, previous chapter, it's like, um, when Gandalf is talking with Faramir, it's like, don't listen to what your father says about this stuff. You need to be hopeful because there's going to come a time where, War is not important. And then with Amir, same thing. The Hobbit, same thing. You're not going to be fighting all the time. You're going to be meant for so much more. Mm-hmm. So they've got that behind them. <laughs> and then Thayde and the old man, uh, this boom rolls over the field. Yeah. Uh, specifically described as a the sound of a bent shape. No, sorry. At that sound, the bent shape of the king sprang suddenly erect. So he wakes him up. And then... And yeah, he's like reinvigorated. Instantly. And it says he... He basically says in a voice like clearer and more, um, more loud and clear than any mortal man had ever spoken. I gotta read uh, this and then part. I gotta read what this part. he. Yeah, well, because if I read it, I'm gonna start crying. So I, well, that's what I've said. You know, my note on this part is, "Wow, this is so great! I cried." Is this the part I'm thinking of? Is this the part I'm thinking <laughs> yes, of? I should yeah. read this. Yes. Arise, arise, writers of Theoden. Fell deeds awake, fire and slaughter. Spears shall be shaken, shields shall be splintered. A sword day, a red day, ere the sun rises. Ride now, ride now, ride to Gondor. Like, I just... Like, we, we've had so many great moments of Theoden as a king, and especially as, you know, a great warrior leading his people into battle. And, like... If you're not inspired by Theoden giving one mm-hmm. of these battle speeches, then I don't know what kind well, of person I have, you are. I have like severe goosebumps right now. I know. The blowing well, of the horns of well, Rohan so then that hour he sa- was like a storm upon a plane. Yes. Well, it says, he, he says right now, right now, right at Gondor. And then he grabs a horn from his, his banner bearer and blew such a blast upon it that it burst asunder. Right. And then everybody blows their horns and then it's just a charge. And it's Thayden on Snowmane in the first. And it says Aemir was trying to lead the pack, but nobody could could overtake Thayden. Uh, and he was born up on Snowmane like a god of old, even as like Orome the Orome. Great. The, the Great in the Battle the of the Valar when the world battle was young. Of the Valar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just like, okay, here's the thing. Is that Theoden is 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 a man, right? He's yes. he's ju- like just a man, we say. Um, but but this is one of those moments where, you know, ordinary people are inspired by by something within themselves mm-hmm. to do extraordinary things, and this is you know to the extent of Theoden being likened to Orome. In the freaking Battle of the Valar, that I mean, this is you know Theoden is 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 being this godlike warrior leading his people into this glorious battle, and just I, this is such an important 
undertone of the entire story. Ordinary people being like superhuman. Oh, and by the I way, just I, love it. I mean, and also like I, I, I was criticizing the character earlier, but I was just noting the character faults mm-hmm. because he is a man, a regular man. Mm-hmm. But then the moment when it's like, when it comes to it, like we're going to ride down this, this hill, we're going to head towards, and going to save Gondor. We're going to blow this horn. We're going to start singing while we're fighting, which was the, was actually kind of the part that was like, I thought I had like, like goosebumps from reading this, but then they were like talking about the part where they were like gleefully going to this. Cause they knew where they were in the right place. Where they needed to be at the right time. Yeah. Like they were there right when they needed to be. Yeah. Like, I mean, how many wonderful tales of battle have we all read throughout, uh, you know, whatever literature studies you've ever done. But this is one of those moments where it's like, yeah, okay, this is glorious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and then one last thing just to cap this off. Uh, it specifically says when they begin their church, their charge, they're like a breaker foaming to the shore. Mm-hmm. So first they were like the rising waters of a dike. Now they're an uncontrollable wave. Mm-hmm. And what brought this on, but a fresh air from the sea. So I, yeah, yeah. just this. That's brilliant. What, what, what do we remember from the Silmarillion about the sea? Like the sea holding the remnants of the last of or the last remnants of the song of Iluvatar, right? Yes, the, which reminded me of something I'm going to note when we are actually done with this chapter. I got a I got another question for mm-hmm. the talking expert. Um, but Sorry, yeah, I say talking expert. I'm going to say to- talking expert. <laughs> I was wondering if that was a joke or an oversight. <laughs> both, both and, but yeah, uh, the Rohirrim basically smoke the orcs. And um, additionally, this kind of darkness is broken, starts to dissipate, and the dawn comes. Again, the dawn comes with this great act of heroism. Also, what's the best part about the best part about this too is the orcs and the king of Angmar not paying attention. Yep. Do not see this coming. Yep. Not yeah, not and we're there's a we're specifically told that too, that you know, the black captain is, you know, at the gate in the city and doesn't even take notice doing of what's a, going on. Doing a guitar solo between Gandalf <laughs> and just guitar solo battle. <laughs> just, just in my dreams. Just <laughs> shredding. <laughs> yes. So I don't think there's much more to cover in the chapter. Well, that's my question I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a very specific bit of... Uh, I, I highlighted it, and I didn't want to bring it up during the episode. I wanted to wait till we were actually done with the chapter because I have a question about it because mm-hmm. I don't quite understand what it means fully. Like, I think I do, but I don't. Mm-hmm. But um, gone, Bernie, gone, Bernie, gone, gone. We were calling gone, him gone. Bernie, yeah. gone. Yeah. yeah. He he says this line, and I didn't quite understand it. It's when he's first talking with the with uh, Theoden, and he says, "Wild men live here before stone houses, ah. before tall men come up out of water." And also, tall men's capitalized, and so is water. Yeah. And I think I know what that's referring to. Is that ref- are so just how ancient are these woes? Exactly, because that's very what that ancient. That when the tall man came up out of the water, this is like. Way the back. Numenorians yeah. coming, to yes. the Numenorians coming and settling in in um, the exiled lands. So the tall men referencing Numenorians, yep. water representing that water that <laughs> what held that island, Numenor. Uh, so okay, mm-hmm. that yep. makes sense. Now. Yep, yep, yeah. No, and that's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly how ancient the Woses are. 
Yes. Like, like I said, it, it was just one of those things that really stuck out to me. I was like, I don't quite, I feel like I do, but I don't. That, that so, was my only real question about that stuff. So. Yeah. So and that, that horribly worded question about Theoden and Denethor. <laughs> were they buddies? That was my question. Uh, yes. So as you put on Twitter, Chase, after you finished reading this chapter, this chapter, Return of the King is super short, but epic as hell. Yeah. So I mean, it's true. Uh, I'm just going to start right off the bat. It's not possible to have a favorite moment that is anything other than Thaden's four-line speech. Yep. That's my favorite part of this chapter is that entire ending bit spurred on by Thaden's speech and that glorious charge of the Rohirrim. That's my favorite bit, too. So, I mean, (laughs) if I had a second, it was the detail about them singing. Mm-hmm. I mean that that was something else that that was not something like how the king, witch king of Angmar took off his hood and there was nothing there but a crown <laughs> that similarly hit me of mm-hmm. like whoa like mm-hmm. did not expect like that's compelling yeah but just I I think yeah there there's nothing so spectacular as Theoden King being described to Orome so good that's so significant Solid chapter. But it made me. This was one of the few chat. Like this is a, this returned me back to parts of Two Towers, parts of Fellowship. Thing. I wanted to keep reading. Mm-hmm. I had to stop myself from keep reading from <laughs> from continuing to read, especially because I know what the next two chapters are titled. And mm-hmm. yeah, stuff gets real in Return of the Ring, guys. Mm-hmm. Return yeah, of the, the next, King. I'm sorry. The next <laughs> chapter is titled "The Battle of the Pelennor." So sorry, the Battle of the Pelennor Fields. So remember, last chapter was the Siege of Gondor, and this was the Ride of the Rohirrim. Each time you think it's going to be the battle, and it's not. And this book was not written to be read on a week-by-week basis, but the fact that we're doing it this way just ratchets up the tension so much more. <laughs> well, especially since I don't, I don't necessarily know what's going to happen next because i don't i don't know whose point of view the next chapter is going to be i'm assuming it's going to be from rohan's perspective but i have no idea we could be gandalf we've never really been in his perspective though it's it's actually from the the perspective of a new character brand new character perry the hobbit (laughs) perry the hobbit finally gets his time in the sun (laughs) totally that that should be a t-shirt is perry the hobbit the forgotten hobbit (laughs) Oh this should God. be worded like that too. When Perry we the meet, Hobbit. When we meet our merch goal on Patreon, we'll make that happen. Perry the Hobbit. <laughs> All right. I, I I just remembered the only other shirt I could think of is Ong Bong Angels. Oh yeah, from back way early way back on. When, that's, yeah. that's a that was a deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say a couple of things. Uh, I had something on the tip of my tongue, and it just fled. Goodness gracious, I hate being older. Mm-hmm. I have a couple favorites from the week, if we're ready to go to that. Oh, oh, we're on oh, that yeah. point. Oh, okay. I mean, we're just kind of... Yeah, this chapter was super short, so... Yeah, so uh, a couple of recommendations. Uh, you might have heard of it, I don't know, in say 2008 when it started, but I've recently started listening to the Flophouse podcast, and it's... I love Elliot Kalen. He is so we have the same sense of humor and he says stuff on that podcast that has me like involuntarily bursting out into laughter and getting strange looks from people around me (laughs) like usually on the train and like old ladies are giving me judgmental looks but whatever um 
So I've been really enjoying discovering that podcast. Also, uh, this past weekend, week and a half ago, as you're listening, but it was this past weekend as we're recording, um, my company, Squarespace, we were in New York City Pride. And then we had a party at the office. And it was just so great. I saw the To pictures. be in such uh, a supportive environment, to be around these people who have really grown to be not just my coworkers, but my friends, uh, and to, for them to come out and, you know, us to just be together. And, you know, it's an incredible feeling. Uh, related to that, I got some awesome purple hair dye. My hair looks great. Yeah, I was going to ask, how's your hair look still? I'm gonna, it looks great. Look at it. It just looks black from the, from the webcam. I can, I can yeah. see a, a slightest pur- purpley tinge purple. in the webcam. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just enjoying summer, you know. <laughs> Recommendation, summer. <laughs> Yeah, recommendation B27 have a job you like and enjoy summer. <laughs> Man, I'm training my replacement and it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm moving stuff, so. Uh well, so my favorite from the week, uh we are getting closer and closer to uh the Rio Olympics. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Which yeah. are you know, I, I I love me some Olympics, I really do. And uh, so this past week there was there was a lot of um, Olympic trials uh, going on, and there I mean there were there was I think swimming had a lot of stuff going on, and also diving, and also most importantly gymnastics had uh, um, it was basically Olympic trials for the men's team, and the men's team has been selected and announced. Um, which like made me ugly cry for certain members of the team because it was <laughs> yeah. like such a great moment. Like, cause basically what happens is so at nationals for the men's team, they, they select the team like the night of the final competition. So they finish and then the selection committee who has been watching them for this competition and like all season. And there's like four competitions they take into account. They then go into a room talk for 12 minutes and then go talk to the boys who are in a locker room and tell them what the team is going to be and then announce them like to the arena live and and then there's this great big celebration but it's like such a tense moment and like you know the whole time you're like you know i you you if if you're if you are knowledgeable about it at all you can pretty much select you know a couple of guys who you're like okay this he's going he's going he's going and then there are a couple of others like they are trying to pick you know like specialists on certain events that's going to help the team so that hopefully they can medal blah 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 and like as is in any team committee or team selection for like a huge event like this it's like so close and down to little nitpicky things and so like I had in my brain the team that I wanted to go, and that was the exact team that nice. got picked. And nice. I was like, "Yes!" Did you make thank did you bet money on that? I know, no. but but I was you know I was sitting there watching with my with my parents, and they were like, "Who do you think's gonna go?" And I named off these guys, <laughs> and I said, "The last one is either this guy or this guy," and I really hope it's this guy. And it was, and I cried, and it was great. Uh, and the women, of course, had nationals as well at the same time. Uh, the women, however, have to do another competition in a couple weeks and a training camp. And then Marta Caroli, who is the god of women's gymnastics, will um, select the team. So they still have a little bit more to go by. But Simone Biles won her fourth straight U.S. all-around title, which is, like, unprecedented. And she is insane. I don't even, like... 
she's like she's three time world all around champion as well and she's just like on another plane of existence from the rest of humanity i think because of what she can physically do it's like it's just insane to watch her and most athletes kind of always just amaze me and are incredible but gymnastics in particular uh the videos that you were sharing Mm -hmm. of this stuff was like superhuman. Yeah, you can't believe what you're looking at. Yeah. You can't. You. You. That's 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 what happens to me whenever exactly. I see this stuff. Okay. It's just amazing. Uh, before we talk and before we turn into talking tumbling, I feel like we maybe need to segue away from. Uh... Uh, well, can I just say one thing about the Olympics? I, I, I just listened to an interview recently, and I kind of forgot about this with Clarissa Shields, mm-hmm. who was like the first woman to win, first U.S. woman to win boxing, mm-hmm. a gold medal in boxing in London four years ago, and she's coming back. And I found the interview interesting because I kind of heard about her, but I didn't know she was from Flint, Michigan. Mm-hmm. This is somebody, and and she's going back to try and win gold again, and she's doing it in boxing, and I'm going to be watching uh, out for her. Yeah. But anyway, I yeah I I don't know. It's just exciting. Calista Shield sounds like literally like a young, like Muhammad Ali. Like <laughs> she is that like level of witty and and That's fiery. Awesome. Like it's pretty great. That's awesome. she also worships at the altar of Muhammad Ali. By the way, as well. Mm-hmm. So, oh my thing. Um, I don't know if this is if this is this is again. I thought this was going to be Chase does another horrible thing to his movie pass. But I ended up seeing this movie twice this weekend. But and we referenced it at the beginning of this this episode. But Independence Day Resurgence. I still need to see it. I need to see it. Um, John, have you seen it? No, no, you haven't seen it. Let's just say what's been fascinating is watching people who are big fans of the first movie hating it, mm-hmm. but people who didn't like the first movie loving it. I've been noticing this trend, really? and I actually love the first one. Mm-hmm. And I love this one, but I understand very quickly, like, radically different movies. The first movie kind of takes itself seriously, and the humor and, like, the enjoyment of it comes from it's taking itself too seriously. Mm-hmm. Not this movie. Really? Not this movie. This movie is a glorious, schlocky mess. You know what? I'm I'm ready to appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, that's it, also coming off the hills when I say it's probably Roland Emmerich's best movie he's made since the first Independence Day doesn't hold a lot of weight because he's made some real garbage over the past few years. So it seems it seems like this movie's good just because it seemed like the cast was having fun. Jeff Goldblum's the best thing in the movie, by the way. Um, he seems to be 100% aware of exactly what he was making and that it comes across. It's just... it's so, Speaking of Roland Emmerich garbage, and to add one more favorite to my list of favorite things um, related to Pride is uh, President Obama... Officially declared that Stonewall is a national monument. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there's nothing I can say that hasn't already been said, but I never thought that would happen in my lifetime when I was like 12 and hating myself. Well, no one thought that that was going to happen. It was, it seemed kind of like it was mildly a surprise because mm-hmm. everyone was kind of talking about like this should happen and then it happened. And then it was like, whoa, <laughs> that happened. <laughs> Anyway, enough of us for now. Uh, (laughs) Shall we wrap things up? Yeah. So once again, before we leave, I'd like to give a thank you to our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for supporting us. Um, It helps out a lot with our editing needs and equipment needs. And we just really enjoy hearing from everyone as well, listeners out there who send us uh, messages and, and the like. But thank you once again so much to our Patreon supporters. 
thank you to Tariq, Ignatius Pendergraf, Devin Mann, Ariel Alm, Brian Osborne, Dana Victor, Jason Savage, Anna Dunlany, Jiging Fua, Kyle Thompson, Michael Smith, Mike Williams, Jacob Verma, Ben Goldstein, Madison Roberts, Aaron Crawford, Benjamin John Macy, Avon McNaster, and Micah Laney. And I'm starting a new tradition, at least every week that we get a new iTunes review that I love. I'm going to give a shout out to that. So, Oh, yeah, yeah. Review us on iTunes so I can shout you out. <laughs> uh, there's a new one. It's a little long, but the title is Better Than Pipeweed After Food. And it just it's really appreciative. Uh, they enjoy our literary analysis, our clever insights, and int pertaining puns Maha. thank you so much <laughs> um yeah just i've said this before i'll say it again but i can't say how amazing it is to have people actually like listen and just appreciate and enjoy this uh you know none of us did this for any reason other than really to hang out and read books together and it's such a such a gift that it's something that people like yeah, people want to listen to it and seek me out on like Twitter and stuff like that. Yeah. Which I actually do appreciate if you want to stomach my Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So join us next week when we read Chapter 6, Battle of the Pelennor Fields. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. We'll see you next Thank week. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We do our best to respond to each email, so please let us know about your thoughts, theories, and themes you'd like us to discuss in the show. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook and Twitter, and we love hearing from you. If you're not already a subscriber, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We would particularly appreciate it if you would give us a rating on iTunes, as it really helps us to show up in searches and reach a new audience. We also have a Patreon page, where you can donate as little as $1 per month help our podcast grow through your generous support we've been able to purchase many new pieces of equipment helping us bring you a better sounding more professional podcast nothing makes us more excited than a new pledge and we greatly appreciate all the support we've received so far Are you still recording? Or? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I never, I never well, stopped recording. For... <laughs> All right. Seven gigabytes. Can't Let's do it. Signal. You can't stop the signal Just when it, it goes like... into your recording <laughs> machine. It is fart sounds from your hand because the world is oh so mean. But the fart sounds get louder each day until you want to break. Because the farts keep going. God, we're so Once again, mature. we are all adults uh, here. This is uh, from the hit musical Fart Spray. <laughs> Fart Spray is a good name. <laughs> well, that's what I was doing. I was, I was, I was doing You Can't Stop the Beat from Hairspray. 
Talking so, Tolkien. Anyway. I feel you like you should for the Tolkien commentary, and you stay for the crude humor. I feel like you should hit what what is popular right now, which is Farmleton. Fart <laughs> Fartmelton. <laughs> Alexander Fartmelton faked it all by eating beans, and he wrote it down right here. <laughs> The charge against me is a connection of eating too many beans before a farting competition. Which no, sorry. No, it doesn't work. It's just uh. farts, like cats. We got to start the podcast, so <laughs> we should record a bonus episode where we just get drunk when I'm in town next week. Yeah, or I'm game for that. Uh, Tolkien. <sighs> Where's Rec- oh, <laughs> Am I recording? Oh, yeah, we're recording now. Yeah. I yeah. forgot about this. We- record a commentary track for like Speed Race or something. <laughs> go Speed Racer. Go Speed Racer. Go. go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Tolkien. Today, we're going to be discussing Chapter 5 of Book 1 of the third book in the trilogy, The Return of the King. All right, so Chapter 5, The Ride of the Rohirrim. It's not uh, a trilogy. always key. <laughs> the published trilogy <laughs> I don't know Se- Is it a septilogy? Is it a trilogy? Is it a single work? It's all three Just like God is you know, is, is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit the, uh, the subdivision of these books Is in fact a deep Deep symbolic uh, okay, Manifestation this- of Tolkien's Devout Catholicism You need to start <laughs> over <laughs> we get the real Why? Thing. I thought no. <laughs> no. Well, put that in at the end of the episode. Oh, you know it. Funny. You know it. <laughs> Except edit out the part where I tell you to put it in, because that sounds... You're going to put the whole thing in. I know it. So, <laughs> hello, everyone, and welcome back to... Hello, everyone, and welcome back... Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome back... <laughs> You're laughing, Katie. <laughs> there you go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking to... No, I can't do it. <laughs> Oh. Okay. <laughs> I ruined it. You gotta send the giggles. Let me let me take a clonopin real fast to to bring me down. Hello everyone and welcome back to Talking Tolkien. Today we're going to be discussing Chapter Five. Of- <laughs> 